When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, alongside site publisher Tim Watts. It is a Thursday, February the 15th, 2024, the day after Valentine's Day, Tim. And I certainly trust that you treated Mrs. Watts to a fantastic evening, a romantic candlelit dinner, a bouquet of no less than two dozen roses, couple of three boxes of chocolate. I'm sure I'm right on all this, right? That was a good episode for us to do hot, cold, cold, hot, hot, <laughs> cold, 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 cold. I mean, we've been married so long. Her birthday's right around Valentine's Day. I mean, it's all kind of blended for us, so... She kind of got the, like I did with the birthday. Birthday's two days after Christmas, you yeah. know, so I get the old two-for-one treatment. Absolutely. Still do to this day. Didn't handle that so well as a kid, but no. uh, I've gotten better with maturity. I like to think we had a nice evening. You know, we went to a favorite restaurant. They had one of these price fix menus, you know, where you have to go all in. Yeah, that's <laughs> And uh, they hammer you pretty good, Tim. But it's so. usually, I've never really had a bad price fix menu. Yeah. They nail it. They get it right. That's why they're able to do it. I mean, we've seen a lot of those in places like New York. Um, I don't really prefer that. I like to, you know, basically choose my own food. But we've had good experiences with that. But for us, it was basically just watching TV, planning our trip in uh, May, you know, looking at other stuff, what we might do at spring break. We're married long enough. The flower and roses are more about, hey, buy me an outfit for Spain. So there you go. There you go. Uh, we had a braised short rib. They had three options for the entree. You could get a short rib. You could get a ahi tuna or tofu, Tim. What kind of option is that for an entree? That's not an option. I went with the uh, short rib. Uh, yeah. We, You know, they can't just do whipped potatoes with the short rib. You know, it's got to be whipped parsnips. Why can't they just do the potatoes? Why does it have to be parsnips? Is that how they get the extra 30, 40 bucks out of you for the, for the meal, I guess, by jazzing it up prettying it up with parsnips which by the way they tasted pretty much like whipped potatoes can i just have my whipped potatoes tim yeah i would think you know simple for me is better i've never understood some of the green garnish on top of my meal <laughs> it's just like tossed on like you know i don't somebody had to go cut that up and do a little work not sure it was needed i pick it off hello steve bama Afro man davis checking in as well david powell yeah you've never struck me as a parsley guy you know, in yeah. all of our years of sort of working together and interacting. I, I mean, it's probably great. I would just would yeah. never know. You know, mm -hmm. there's just things. I mean, it takes me. I'm a there's only so many things I can try each decade. Carrot cake, cake, hog to my 40s. Mm -hmm. David Powell, carrot cake, hog to my 40s. Found out I liked it. Found out in my 50s. I like a good key lime pie. I didn't realize some of them just suck. <laughs> some of them are really good. You know, I, just, I haven't uh, come around to key lime pie totally, but the um, the wife does these like lemon bites, 
that are like a lemon, lemon custard yeah. that are really, really good. I've come around to the lemon sort of desserts. I used to be a no-go on both of those, but we got a lot. To, what's that? That lemon icebox dessert. They yeah, have. my grandparents, my that late grandparents, me. man, they love that. That owns me. All right, let's get into it. You want to get into this? We got uh, we got plenty to talk about on the program today, as you might expect. Thank y'all for the mailback questions. That thing has taken off. You guys do a terrific job um, of real questions and discussions, so we certainly appreciate that. Yeah, we're going to get to that coming up in just a little bit. We are topic heavy, as you might expect, as we typically are here. Let's start with the coaching staff, Tim, because that's obviously been on the minds of Alabama fans everywhere. Earlier in the week, it became apparent that the offensive coordinator position with Ryan Grubb staying in the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks, also Scott Huff, as an extension of that situation as the offensive line coach, that Nick Sheridan was trending heavily in that direction to become the next offensive coordinator under Kalen DeBoer. Sheridan with extensive coordinator experience in the past. He's also worked with quarterbacks. He's a former quarterback himself. Um, I know you posed the question when we were on earlier in the week with Jimmy Stein. Uh, what 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 is the issue that maybe some Alabama fans would have with Nick Sheridan if, in fact, he were next up? I just don't think a lot of them are familiar. I mean, you always want, you know, you want Bill Walsh, right, to come out of retirement. You know what I mean? You see, Mama fans have loved the, and you got to admit, I mean, they've had some crazy names sitting in that back office. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Billy Napier, those are head coaches in the SEC that were just sitting in the back, you know, so they can see, I mean, I, you know, I've seen some, and I, hopefully they were kidding. We're talking about Bill Belichick coming on as an analyst, even though Saban's obviously gone. So they got a high standard for the coaches. But I think this is just a situation, and, and I think it's human nature that if you're not familiar with it, you don't like it. I mean, I've seen this several times. I've made several examples. Matt Olson for the Braves fans on the BOL roundtable, the Alabama Braves fans, got Matt Olson, an all-star, go Glover, hits dingers, and they lost their mind. And it's not Freddie told, Freeman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, that's exactly what it is. Austin Mack, absolutely. I've never seen him. I go, who's Austin Mack? He's terrible. What are you doing? I mean, I don't know how. Who is he? And I hate him. Are in this. There's got to be a comma pause. There's got to be something in there to get to that. So I think with Sheridan, I mean, you look, he was fired in Indiana. I think the smart people will do a little bit more research. And I mean, first of all, you got to start with Kalen DeBoer. It, it's his offense. It's his. He's not sitting in there uh, just walking in saying, hey, guys, what are we doing Saturday? Y'all got a good idea. I mean, he's involved with the play calling, the game planning. It's his game. That's his game. So everything's going through him. Very similar. And we've discussed this before. I've talked to a lot of coaches, several that have been on staff with him, who said Kalen is very involved. He's going to step in. He overrides a call. I mean, I don't think he, like, brags about that because it sort of takes away the offensive coordinator's authority. But if he doesn't like the third or fourth down call, he'll change the call. And I had one coach who was on staff with him in Indiana tell me that was very fairly frequent where he would override that with the new staffs at Washington and Fresno, he would override a call, change it to what he liked. So I think with Sheridan, you know, you look back and I've talked to people, his second, his first year, they were fine. They were like six and one lost to uh, Ohio state 42 to 35 had over 500 yards of offense. I think very, very productive that year. Now the second year he was offensive coordinator, 
And again, this goes down to people that were on staff with him in Indiana. It was a mess from every level. It was a mess. It started with, I think he played four quarterbacks that year. So he lost, he lost Penix, who obviously was fantastic. He lost Tuttle, who was his backup, who's, who's supposedly pretty good. I don't, I don't know him that well. And then he had to end up playing just a smorgasbord of, of quarterbacks. Also, he had guys on the offensive staff that wanted to be the offensive coordinator. You had a run-heavy guy, which is naturally, and Mike Hart, who was a really good running back at Michigan. You know, that's you know the good running backs are always run the damn ball. And then they had a guy that wanted to pass more. So it was just a bad situation. Um, Nick Sheridan was let go. But what did they do the next two years? Nothing. They won three games and four games. I don't think the, the problem was Sheridan. Also, I think you go the fact if you if you agree that Kalen DeBoer, which all college coaches have said, he's a really smart offensive guy. He's the mastermind behind it. He keeps hiring Nick Sheridan, so you got to assume Nick Sheridan knows a little bit about offense, or Kalen DeBoer wouldn't hire him. The quarterback is everything, even in college football these days. And you talk about the twenty twenty one season and then twenty twenty two twenty twenty three. You can just sort of back up and see the path that Michael Penix took through those years for more on, you know, how you're tethered to the quarterback position. And when you think about Alabama moving forward with Jalen Milrow, with Ty Simpson, with Dylan Lonergan, Austin Mack, who, by the way, if you're panicking about Ryan Grubb moving on to the NFL, then you can't really panic about Austin Mack, in my opinion, because Ryan Grubb is a guy who signed off on Austin Mack coming to Alabama, which sort of turned your quarterback room upside down a little bit, at least in terms of Julian saying moving on to Ohio State. So can't have it both ways, although I know that won't slow down some folks. Um, These titles becoming official here in the last day or so, I guess no surprise things you had been hearing, we had been hearing in regards to Freddie Roach, Robert Gillespie, a couple of holdovers from the Nick Saban staff and important ones in that. Yeah, I don't know what all the titles mean. You know, I don't know exactly if it changes their responsibilities. I'm serious. I have no idea how the – I'm going to dig into that, but I have no idea if the responsibilities change. I'm sure they are. I also think it's a little bit of a way to get you more money, to reward you for the job you did. I mean, obviously, those two staying on staff were a big part of keeping the roster that remains. And I don't. I'm, regardless of what anybody says, that's a top-five roster in the country. Um, has a few holes, obviously, but it's a top five uh, roster in the country. So Freddie Roach did a lot of work there. Robert Gillespie did a lot of work there. Also, they're really good recruiters. So, I mean, when you look at just the surface level, um, Robert Gillespie has a huge part of, of Florida, and Freddie Roach has a huge part of the state of Alabama. So we know their responsibilities uh, from that, you know, coach running backs, coach defensive line. But what is there anything additional? If there is, I don't know. I don't know yet. Yeah, it's it's important as we we think about Kalen DeBoer coming in from out west as a recruiter with a handful of his assistant coaches that he brought along to think about Freddie Roach and Rob Gillespie uh, as recruiters. But again, as you pointed out, roster retention was first and foremost. It was paramount after the coaching change because your roster was exposed for that month to the transfer portal. So when you think about it in terms of who you kept and then who you'll continue to be able to recruit with guys like Roach and Gillespie and also some support staff people 
that don't get enough love, that were a big part of the retention, and now the recruiting under DeBoer moving forward. I think we're just in an era, too, Tim, where we're going to see more co's when it comes to co-defensive, co-offensive coordinators, uh, associate head coaches, assistant head coaches. And a lot of times I think that's attributable to money, to salary, to being able to get people paid what you need to pay them. But also for these folks, it's about the next step. You know, I'm a position coach, but I ultimately want to ascend to a coordinator role and or a head coach role. You know, there sort of needs to be that gradual step up, whether it's semantics or not, in the eyes of a lot of people that come with these titles, Tim. Yeah, and I don't know the difference between an associate and assistant head coach. You know, I mean, it's it, you know what's kind of funny to me is I don't I think under Saban, a lot of fans just didn't call, cover or follow a lot of the little things that went on, and now they're magnified. But I mean, Holman Wiggins was associate or assistant head coach as well. Nobody really seemed to discuss that until this happened with uh, Robert Gillespie and, and Freddie Roach, the titles. I also saw on the message board where they uh, – and I had several people ask me about this, and I was surprised. They were kind of like – I don't remember Saban ever taking time off in February. And I was like, what the hell are y'all talking about? 17 years they took the Thursday after National Signing Day off and came back on Tuesday. So that was just like, oh, now Kalen's lax. They're taking off in February. It's like, no, Nick Saban. Not only that, Kalen DeBoer had him come back on Monday, and Nick Saban had him come back on Tuesday. So Kalen DeBoer might be a little bit more of a push him guy. No, I'm just yeah. kidding on that. But they, yeah, it's like we just forgot. So all these titles, all these support staff, there's always been a big support staff. There just never was a big deal made about it. So I, I get it, the excitement going through the new titles, the roles, the, uh, but you're you're dead right about the support staff. That support staff was huge. It's always been huge. We didn't talk about it nearly enough under Nick Saban because you had Nick Saban, you had your safety blanket. But we should have been talking, but you know more about those people because they were huge. They were huge in everything that's done. The graphic people, those edits, those kids look forward to it. The commitment videos, all that stuff's a huge part of college sports because the kids love them first of all. And then you have the people in the background who are keeping those relationships going because, hey, the coaches have to coach. There's a big part, a big chunk of their year where they're actually coaching and scheming and playing and from, you know, August through, you know, hopefully December. Yeah. And look, it's uh, it, it's still a little ways out until the 2024 season. But understandably, some Alabama fans now wondering about the offensive line situation, the sure. tight ends position. Uh, where those candidates might be coming from. And I think we've said it many times here, both on the podcast and right there on the roundtable too, Tim. When we know, you'll know. As soon as we know, we'll get it out it's there. It's been extremely quiet. Um, it's been extremely quiet. And I think part of that is there's just not a huge rush, right? I mean, you want to get to spring, obviously. But you got enough guys on office that can get you prepared for spring. I mean, you want to – I know everybody wants that coach five minutes after the other coach leaves, but I mean, the biggest thing is to get it right, you know, get it right. I mean, you want to find the right coach, the coach that fits in. And there's a process that goes past Kane Womack. There's a process. And I mean, on the defensive end, there's a process that would go past Kalen DeBoer on the offensive end. These guys all meet, want to get to know the guy's got to fit in the room and, and, and blend in and, you know, the recruiting philosophy, all that's got to blend in when they hire him. So, 
it's not just bucket steps. You know? Yeah, it's uh, I think there's continuity that's already in place. That's the big sure. thing. If you go to Nick Sheridan as your offensive coordinator and quarterbacks, you're taking care of the coordinator role. You're taking care of the most important position on the football field uh, with the quarterbacks. That's not to undervalue the importance of the offensive line job because that's where it all starts, literally and figuratively. And Alabama, of course, is going to have some things to sort out, primarily at the offensive tackle spots when spring practice gets underway here in a month or so. But uh, let's talk about down the road a little bit because we're already starting to see some projections, Tim, for the 12-team college football playoff that's set to get underway in December of 2024. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network uh, here in the last day or so unveiled his initial 12-team projection, and we'll pull it up right here, Tim. And as we do so, what you will see over there in the bottom right-hand corner is the Alabama Crimson Tide as a 10-seed traveling to South Bend, Indiana on what would be a December the 20th date. Think about South Bend on nice. December the 20th. Um, I guess you could say the the Lank, the Lank cam, uh, campaign, as we saw from Alabama in 2023, maybe it won't be going away anytime soon because Alabama is a 10 seed in the 12-team playoff, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think there's just a natural reaction here. So Alabama, after the first portal portal window, were one, two, three, or four, basically. I don't know if they were one or not, but they were three or four ranged by everybody. So they lost Caleb Downs, impact guy, and they lost uh, Isaiah Bond. They lost a few other guys. But they're basically saying those guys were the difference between the fourth team and the tenth team. I I, thought, I think that's crap. I don't, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, you're talking about a safety and a wide receiver – who's a real, both are great players, but I don't think that's a difference in the four seed and the 10 seed. I think that it's fair to drop Alabama because of Caden Proctor. You don't know who your offensive tackles are, but I mean, I love these things. I know people get mad. I love them. I, I could pick them apart too, but I don't have a problem either way. I thought, I think it's very brave and brass and you really can't hold this accountable because we don't know anything what's going to happen in April, in that portal window, we don't know what these rosters are going. Now, this I'll take a little bit more interest in after that April window closes, right? Because we'll know yeah. what Alabama's team is. I mean, is no is everybody at Ohio State happy that they brought in all these players? You know, that's another thing. We 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 saw them come in. We haven't seen them come out of the portal yet. I imagine there'll be some guys moving on for a lot of these programs. Georgia's going to be strong. Texas is going to be strong. Alabama has a new coaching staff. So um, I am kind of surprised to see Florida State at third. Seems a little bit high. I feel like they lost a ton of one-year talent last year. I mean, they lost a – they lost a – you're talking about losing a wide receiver, an impact wide receiver. I mean, Keon Coleman changed their whole offense, a quarterback that matters, some good defensive guys. That might seem a little bit high. Um, I'm not sure there's that big a gap between FSU and Clemson, to be honest feels a little bit like a makeup call in basketball after what happened yeah, to the Seminoles <laughs> in the 2023 season. But I think it's interesting because in Georgia, Texas, Alabama, and Missouri, McMurphy has four SEC teams among his initial 12. And of those four, it's Alabama that would be playing on the road in this scenario because Brett has Missouri as an eighth seed playing a home game in the first round. 
Uh, it's just kind of wild to look at this when it's laid out in front of you because, again, December games being played in places like South Bend, Columbia, Missouri, Eugene, Oregon. And we're not talking about December 1st or 2nd. We're getting into December the 20th. Um, it's it, the weather, I think, about, too, in a lot of this. And, you know, I think Missouri is interesting because Missouri plays in Tuscaloosa, right? Plays at Alabama this season. So when you see that initially, you go, boy, I guess Brett's just picking Missouri in an upset uh, over the Crimson Tide on the road. But then when you go look at Missouri's schedule in comparison to Alabama's, Missouri could lose at Alabama and still in the regular season with a better record because uh, especially non-conference, that's atrocious, that record for Missouri, that schedule for Missouri. And then within the league, Missouri doesn't see Georgia does go to Alabama, but gets Oklahoma at home, gets Vanderbilt, gets Mississippi State, gets Arkansas, doesn't see Ole Miss. So I guess from that perspective, some of this makes some sense. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have, I mean, I was kind of surprised. Do I see, I don't see Ole Miss on there. Am I missing? No, no Ole Miss. Yeah. Missouri basically in the Ole Miss spot. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I guess you're battling between those two. Um, that, that would surprise some people, I think, if Missouri got in over Ole Miss right now. But, yeah, schedule-wise, when you look at Georgia, Georgia's got a tough schedule. Mama's got a tough schedule. Texas has got a tough schedule. So, I think maybe you do throw that in there. I love this stuff, though. I love it. I appreciate him doing it. We need to do our yeah. own. It's good debatable. Now, the ones that take it serious, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? I wouldn't take it too serious because we don't know. And I think, you know, I think anybody that does this will admit, hey, this could change in April, right? May 1st, this might be a different 12, but I'm excited looking at this. I don't love a December 20th game, and it, I have to go back to the schedule, but that was the first day of the signing period last year. Yeah, could be really crazy. I don't want to be, really in, that want to be in that window Wednesday to Friday and then have a game on Saturday. You know what I mean? We're just – they're pushing – they're going to, <laughs> to figure out the schedule a little bit. Yeah, you talk about somebody who's going to love it and who's paying heavily for it is ESPN, man. When you think about – December the 20th and December the 21st, and you've got Penn State potentially at a Missouri or an Ole Miss, a Boise State at a Texas, uh, Alabama potentially at a Notre Dame, uh, Michigan at an Oregon. Yeah, uh, there will be a lot of eyeballs glued to television sets and streams of some kind re relative to telephones, <laughs> laptops, iPads. Folks are going to be tuned in, uh, to say the least. But so again, you know, you look at this Alabama roster, even with everything this program has been through post Nick Saban's retirement, you said it earlier, you think this is a top five roster right now. And assuming this staff can sustain much of this roster post spring practice, you know, there's going to be some more movement too. I mean, Absolutely. once guys work under the new staff and kind of get a feel for the scheme and more importantly, where they project within it. There's going to be some guys that make the move from Alabama, but that's also going to open the window for some other guys to come in knowing that there is opportunity at a place like the Capstone. Yeah, I think when you look at Alabama, there's fair questions to ask. I don't have a problem with that. The secondary, you know, you've lost a lot of very talented guys. Um, you've got some guys coming back. you got an extremely talented freshman group coming in, also transferring in uh, Damani. So you've got talent back there, but you haven't really seen as much of. You've seen Malachi. We got some experience, but you've got a lot of guys that's got to prove it. But you know they're talented. The left hat, the offensive tackle position is legit. You got 
four on campus? Does somebody bump out? You know what I mean? You got other guards that seem to be a little bit more advanced. You find one in the portal, you know, because it's not going to be easy to go find you a, you know, a cornerback one and a left tackle in the portal. So you might have to find you a guard and kick somebody out or something like that. So um, that's why you make millions of dollars, though, to figure out those holes you've got. And quite honestly, after Saban retired, I don't see massive holes other than what happens at tackle. It just got thinner. You know what I mean? I mean, Proctor, heck of a guy. I think he's a heck of a football player. Played the whole year, obviously, homesick, a little bit overweight. But he still led the league in, in Alabama and giving up sacks and pressures allowed. You know, so he still had some growing pains there. Um, so they still had work to do with the offensive tackle position regardless. Yeah, you know, when I think about uh, the potential for uh, those type of quarterfinals in this in this scenario, too, I think back to this most recent playoff, the last of the 14 playoffs, because there was such an outrage or there was some outrage about Alabama getting in over Florida State. Well, you know, if we had had a 12-team field, Tim, Florida State would have gotten in as the five and would have played a first-round game against Liberty who would have been the 12. And then you know who would have gotten the winner? You know who would have gotten the winner of that game? Alabama in the quarterfinals. They would have gotten either Florida State without a quarterback. Florida State would have got Liberty and Bama? What's that? Florida State would have had Liberty than Bama? Yes. Oh, wow. So I'm not sure Florida State could win without their quarterback. I don't think that was an unfair – that's a big position. For the rest of the world, we know that's an important position. Take – Patrick Mahomes off the Chiefs. You know, they well, probably don't win the Super Bowl. The the point is the outrage would have extended with a 12 yeah. team because if you're yeah. Georgia, you're pissed because you're the six and you got a tougher road game than Florida State has. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess Georgia would have been at home as a six. But if you're Michigan as the one seed, your quarterfinal game most likely would have been against Georgia while Alabama plays either a quarterbackless Florida State or Liberty in the quarterfinals. So, yeah, I guess it, it – A shows. very upset Georgia team, too, with a yeah. lot to prove. Very right. talented. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's talk good. about some NFL Combine invites for the Alabama Crimson side. As we learned in the last 24 hours, Alabama with 10 invitees to Indianapolis for the annual Olympics of the undergarments, as I like yeah. to call it up there and when you look at this list tim uh were there any surprises for you any omissions when you look at jace mcclellan jermaine burton jc latham justin aboigby dallas turner chris braswell kool-aid mckinstry Tyrion arnold jalen key that might be a little bit of a surprise he gets the invite will reichard gets to go to indianapolis as a kicker what about that list Yeah, I like it. I'm pretty excited to see Jace. I hope he's healthy. Um, I think he has a chance. I still think Chase is probably going. Jace is probably going to be that third to fifth round pick that's going to stick in the NFL seven, six, seven, eight years. Those guys tend to do well. The 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 move the pile in between tackle guys that can receive. And we know he can block. You know, so he's going to have some things. I'm really excited to see what Will Riker does there. I watch this thing every year. I watch it, and it's insane because there's so much downtime. I watch it and I'll watch it and I'll go back and rewind and watch some of the highlights. I watch it every year. I love it. I have a good time with it. But um, yeah, Alabama's going to be well represented. They got a chance to increase their stock. Everybody's going to be looking at Kool Aid. 
to me, I'm going to be looking at Kool-Aid. What does he run? I want to see what J.C. Latham uh, weighs. I want to see if he drops weight to get ready for the uh, combine. There's questions there, but, you know, Burton, what do you do with Jermaine Burton? You know, I think his interviews are going to be different is the best way I could describe it. I don't think he's going to give you the the standard interview that Terry and Arnold is. You know what I mean? I think Jermaine could be very interesting. Not necessarily bad, but a little bit different. But boy, he looks like a, you know, he looks like a wide receiver too in the NFL to me. Big body, good hands, route runner. I'm not saying he's Odell Beckham Jr., but he's got some physical traits that to me are reminiscent of Odell Beckham Jr. Now, again, not expecting that kind of career for uh, Jermaine, uh, but I think he's got some translatable uh, attributes to the next level. And I think you're right on J.C. Latham. He's going to be fascinating to watch in terms of where he's at because, you know, I I think he's obviously still viewed as a tackle. But do you think some teams are looking at him at 360 and saying, hey, we might need to push this guy inside where he could still be like a Trey Smith for the Chiefs? Outstanding guard for the Chiefs from the University of Tennessee. Um, but is it is it that sort of scenario that could play out for J.C.? Yeah, I think he'll I'm, – I'm curious to see. I would expect him to lose weight to get ready for the draft, to be on that edge guy. Hey, you can make a lot of money on that interior. I remember 15 years ago, nobody thought, thought a whole lot of the interior offensive line when it came to the draft. And then all of a sudden you had, you know, the – the Cowboys drafted a, a center first round. We've seen uh, Quentin Nelson, who's one of the most dominant offensive linemen in the history of football, go. I think he went sixth, beat out his own teammate who went ninth as an offensive left tackle. So we've seen that value. Ryan Kelly, we've seen that value increase. Uh, Dallas Warmack, that was the year that kind of took off. Cooper from, uh, I think his name was, from North Carolina. And then Dallas, they both went very hard. Is it Chance? Yes, yeah, Chance, right? I'm mixing them up. But – you had the guards going in the top 10, so that's changed everything. So you can make a lot of money there. Trey Smith, obviously, was a good football player. Had a, I think he had a medical condition, heart, heart or something. Yeah. Ended up in the fifth round, maybe six, maybe lower. I mean, he ended up really low, and he, I think he started every game that he was there. So, But, yeah, I think with him, it's just going to come down. He's a talented guy. He's going to check a lot of boxes. Um, I don't know if he wants to move in. He's shown some flexibility, but I do think – for tackle, he's probably going to be lighter if he sticks at tackle in the NFL. Yeah, injury updates big from the combine as medicals, well. When you talk absolutely. about medicals, I think Jace McClellan when I think of medicals because he had an yeah. assortment of issues during his time with the Crimson Tide and none more so than Justin Aboigby. I mean, you start talking about neck, back, those type of issues. Um, you're going to have some teams that might just disqualify Justin Aboibe before yeah. even really going through much more of the process, given the type of situation he came back from. Yeah. And that happens. That's good. Similar yeah. to Trey Smith. I remember the Raiders had a guy defensive lineman, maybe from Michigan state that had some kind of issue. And a lot of teams, I think he was a first projected to be a first round pick had the medical issues as his last year in college. I think he was from Michigan state, but he ended up dropping fifth or sixth round. And, of course, was cleared. Once he got cleared, he was fine. But, I mean, you never know. The NFL team will knock you heavily for any kind of medical. They're looking like – I'm not sure exactly. Sometimes they overthink it, obviously. But um, uh, some will bump you right off their list because of, of your of your medical history. Give me a uh, medalist stand for the 40 for these 
four guys. I think it's four we'll go with. We'll go with Jace McClellan, Jermaine Burton, Kool-Aid, and Tarion Arnold. Give me gold, silver, bronze for the 40 in Indianapolis between the running back, the wide receiver, and the two defensive backs. I'll go Tarion Gold. I'll go I wonder if Jace is healthy with his foot. I'll give him the the silver and bronze. I'll go Kool-Aid. I think Kool-Aid's okay. gonna work on his 40 time. And I've never even had a clue what Burton ran, to be honest. I know he's pretty fast when he's running. I've never even thought about how fast he was. His recruitment was so weird, how he got to Bama. Subtex tighter. How he got to Bama was so weird. Mm-hmm. His recruitment, high school flip, moved to California, committed to LSU, flipped on signing day to Georgia, beat Alabama for national championship, and came to Alabama. So he's had quite the – he's been a hard one to pin down. But, he, again, like you said, he's got traits. Yeah, there's there's a guy in Jermaine Burton who's been in the Alabama program for two years, and you still feel like, as you just said, you don't know a lot about this guy. And so even for Alabama fans, even for people like ourselves, I think there are some things that will be revealed about Jermaine Burton uh, that might be pretty, uh, pretty interesting coming up here in a couple weeks in Indianapolis. Hey, Tim, let's get into some uh, let's get into some hoops, because the last time I checked, Nate Oates' team sits all by itself now atop the SEC standings after South Carolina went to Auburn on Wednesday night and got absolutely shellacked. You talk about a Valentine's Day massacre. Boy, the Tigers, after getting woodshedded themselves in Gainesville over the weekend, bounced back in strong fashion. I don't know, and Alabama's very good at home too, but right now there may not be a tougher place to get a road win than in Auburn. Yeah, Auburn's a tough place. I mean, first of all, it's a good team. It's got a good coach. So those things go hand in hand. They got a very passionate fan base, small stadium. I know some people take it as an insult to say it's like a high school feel, but if you've ever been to a fantastic high school game, and I lived in Indiana, I've seen them in Birmingham, I've seen them my whole life. Dude, there ain't nothing like the crowd leaning on you on the sideline. I've seen that a dozen times in Birmingham alone. The crowd is in your business. You know what I mean? In Auburn, I don't think it's an insult at all to say it's like it's a great high school game. That and those atmosphere are off the chart, but yeah, I mean South Carolina. I mean they, you know they they did not have a couple of good trips to the state of Alabama, right? They did <laughs> not. I mean they took. They are but South Carolina is a good basketball team, but they have been beaten by like seventy points, close to seventy by Bama and Auburn. This has just been. Then they are a much better team than that. They've got wins. And all, and they tried to hang. They, I think they jumped out 9 0, 9 2 last night. Mm-hmm. And then Auburn just, you know, just took over. Oh, I mean, they were, Auburn was just better, you know, the better basketball team. Tennessee blew out Arkansas, you know, you know, a couple games to watch last night. I don't know what is happening with, with the Arkansas Terrible. program. Yeah. I mean, I just can't. How did they go? I mean, you know, you, you know, you were, you had your shirt off last year, right? You know, you had your shirt. Now you got your pants Lush. pulled down, you're getting your, you're getting your butt spanked. You know what I mean? You gotta we gotta keep our clothes on out there in Fayetteville. You know, yeah, a little E. Uh it's not so easy for Eric Musselman. I mean, he season. enjoyed it when he was on, you know, I wouldn't even say he was on top. He was on like, you know, he was like that guy that stopped three, you know, five hundred yards from the top of Mount Everest. He was almost at the top, didn't quite make it, but 
uh, had such a good talented team last year. And to see this year's team is just, it's brutal. But yeah, Auburn and Tennessee are both good basketball teams and, you know, one big last night and, um, that SEC, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun race. I mean, it's a, I mean, you're going to have a little anxiety with it, but it's a fun race. Alabama with just a daunting seven game stretch to close the regular season, starting with Texas A&M at Coleman Coliseum on Saturday, alternative uniform game for yeah. Nate Oates's team. What do you think about those threads, Tim? Those are nice. Those are nice. Yeah. My love, my first thing was hilarious was, uh, one of our favorites, Melvin Seahorse, says, I need those shorts. He was so excited. They were. They were old logo on the short, the Crimson Tide. They look fantastic. I can't imagine you put those on the shelves, right? Those are going to be very, very popular. I saw the uh, – I saw Mark Sears got his jersey up pretty quick. Yeah. I saw the uh, the people that do the NIL. What's it called? Athletes. I can't yeah. remember the name of the website, but they uh, – Damn, I should know the name. We just brought my son the length shirt, but they um they had the stuff up there. Not the same thing. Doesn't have the Nike swoosh, but it looks good. I mean, it's a good look. You know, if you want to support the team nil, you can go pick your favorite player. The jersey they had jackets, they had hoodies. I mean, they had the whole yeah, they had the whole nine thing. I love the look personally. You know, and, and when you think about it, um, um, when you were growing up as a kid. Uh, you love those old uniforms, right? And then we went to this, like, bland. I mean, the Astros had a crazy wild, you know. I mean, you go through all yeah. the teams. The Braves old A, you go through all these teams that you covered. They were great, and I don't think we appreciated it much. But they're throwbacks for us. But for the younger people, they're just like, oh, it's fire. You know, they love brand it. Brand new. Yeah. yeah, for them, it's brand, literally, it's brand new. You know, it's there's no difference. So I love they do that. But, yeah, Alabama hit a home run. With the, um, yeah, they hit a home run with that. I thought I, I like it from a psychological perspective. I said this yesterday on the show with Charlie and Clint. I like it from that perspective too because it keeps your locker room juiced, and you're going to need all of it you can get. Starting with the stretch that gets underway with A and M on Saturday, early tip off, 11 a.m. Central. Wade Taylor coming to town, Tyrese Radford coming to town. Those two guys in the backcourt averaging a combined. 35 points per game between them in a blowout of Tennessee last Saturday, 25 for Wade Taylor, 27 for Tyrese Radford. Then you got Anderson Garcia, a bit of a glass eater there in the paint. He had 33 boards and wins over Missouri and Tennessee. Only had six in a loss to Vanderbilt a couple of nights ago, but he and Henry Coleman, the third, uh, they'll pose a challenge in the paint. So, don't don't sleep on AM based on what you've seen to this point or even what you saw midweek in Nashville because uh this this is gonna be a fun game. I know that because of Taylor and Radford and Alabama's guards, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I do want to say that was athletes threads. I don't we are go. not get, that is not a promo. I mean, I'm just telling you where it's at. We don't actually get a promo code or they don't pay us, but I did want to say athletes threads got the those throwback jerseys. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, with Bama, I think they've got seven one-game seasons is what I, how I'm looking at it. You just got to – I don't think you can get ahead of yourself. I don't think you can get too high with a win. I don't think you can get too low with a loss. I mean, you're going to – you're probably not coming out of that 7-0, and right? No. So you might as well get prepared that you're going to have to battle. Auburn's got some games. Tennessee's got some games. You know, you got to head up with Tennessee – 
you know, so two um, games with Florida are sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, Florida's good. sneaky good. I think they were like seventeen and seven. I think I looked it up last night. They're yeah. seventeen and seven. Something. They're like six and one in their last seven. I yeah. mean, they almost won the I game mean, against LSU the other night at home, but yeah, that's the thing with basketball. I mean, the hot you get hot. Um, uh, you get hot at the right time, and we've seen those teams, you know, historically make runs. Now it's probably not the ideal time to make your NCAA run, but it is your ideal time to make your 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 NCAA seeding run. You know, so yeah, it's a tough conference. I mean, it's a bad. I mean, I looked up, we became a bat. Nick Saban retired, and we became a basketball conference, right? <laughs> it looks it's, that way right now, man. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll tell you, other than other than North Carolina, Duke twice a season, the ACC can have it right now. I, I I never thought I would say that 10 years ago. I used to watch a ton of ACC basketball. I know you did too. I I don't watch hardly any ACC basketball right now. It, it's pretty much SEC basketball. Obviously, my job entails that I do that. But even when I don't have to, that's that's where my attention is yeah. focused. I, I tend with the ACC. Now, if it's a big game, I saw Carolina Duke not long ago, and I'm that. I tend to like find the flow of the game. If I get it, if I see 17 minutes left and it's a good game, I'll go, I'll go watch it. But I tend not to start. You're right. I, I tend not to start like I used to, but we used to watch it. I mean, it was, you know, it's the absolute best of the best. Up with I mean, the SEC has two teams. Something. Yeah. SEC has two teams that don't have a at least a 500 record overall. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of absurd. And a lot of them have pretty good win percentages. So Basketball has changed. Have you been watching any of the NBA lately? I have not. You're our you're our senior NBA correspondent. I'm the PGA tour guy, Tim. That's the dynamic we agreed upon. And softball. And softball and women's basketball. I've got those. that to you. Savannah helps you with that. (laughs) You kind of get a cheat with your daughter. You know what I mean? Like she's throwing you out there. But Herb Jones, Brandon Miller. I mean, he continues to play like any other year. I think he's in the heavy discussion. He should be in the discussion this year for rookie of the year. But, you know, he had 26 points and six rebounds, four assists, three blocks for stretch last night. And the Charlotte Hornets are on a heater with three straight wins. Um, kind of surprising. It's not a very good basketball team. The Lamelo balls out. They're missing their, their big man from Duke, Mark Williams. Um, they're missing guys, but yeah, NBA's fun. Colin Sexton's having a good year. The Jazz are a very sporadic team, but the Bama guys are playing extremely well. And now I think we got the All Star break, right? Coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the NBA All Star game. Do you still watch that, or how did how does that? Work? I watch some of it. I, I NBA. I, I I'm not an NBA hater, to be clear. Yeah. Um, but social media in some sports has just turned me into more of that type of follower. The yeah. NBA oh, yeah. is kind of one of them. Yeah. Major League Baseball to an extent. Um, I, I, I zoom in on, obviously, college football, college basketball, sure. and the NFL. Uh, but Tiger Woods is playing on the PGA Tour this week, Tim. So that's I'm going to go ahead and interject that. Yeah, right here. absolutely. Throw that in Tiger. there. Tiger's got that new logo. Tiger's got that new logo now. You know, Who is he uh, sponsored by? Taylor made Nike and uh, Tiger split. You what know, caused, and because that divorce, probably what they were paying him versus how much he was actually not only playing, which is minimal because of all the injuries and everything physically he's put himself through. 
Um, but he, he isn't a guy you see on television as a broadcaster or any other oh, yeah. type of form. You don't, if Tiger ain't playing, you don't see Tiger. So Taylor may was probably willing to step up, pony up a little bit more for Tiger than, uh, I will than not the, the swish. for the record. I will not watch the all-star game. I absolutely the, the NBA all-star game. I mean, yeah, I don't, the shooting watch. I don't know, but the game, just like the Pro Bowl, I mean, it's going to be 183 to 180, you know. The games themselves are like that now. Yeah. I mean, the regular I like season that, games are like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still remember when they actually would, like, defend you and foul you in the All-Star games. I know that's an old man statement, but it was true. Yeah. They would foul you instead of giving you an easy layup. It was, mm-hmm. it was different. I don't mind it, but like you said, I don't need to see an all-star game. What I can see, I can see Steph Curry shoot from half court literally every night. Yeah. That guy's a psycho. He went in a good way. He was leaving the game last night to go from the warmups to the locker room. And from the friggin' pathway to the locker room, you can pull this up while I'm talking. He threw a hook shot to the other friggin' end of the court and made it. Pull that up if you can. Steph Curry. Dude, I'm telling you, this looks like it's a Mac, a, a fake commercial. Let me see it if I can ban- find it. I don't know. It is bananas. And then look- I got to worry about copyright issues if I do find it. So you have to pull it up. I'm just telling you, it's. I want you to see. It's the most bananas shot the, he made from the tunnel. Yeah, from the tunnel. Yeah, I'm watching it's, it right here. That all looks- the way full length of the court heave from the opposite diagonal tunnel as he's going in like a hook. Yeah. And made it. It wild. literally looks like it's a fake commercial and he yep. made it. But anyways, I'm in a psycho in a good way. Like it's unbelievable. All right, moving on. Let's get into the uh round table mailbag because they'll get on us in the comments here. You know, if we get off topic, Tim, we don't talk about the fourth team left guard. Look, you don't come, come up after here you. with two come old after us. Y'all don't come on a show with two old guys and say you can't get off topic. Y'all lost your damn mind. You ever been to a barber shop? Yes. You ever been to a porch? Kind of like what this porch? is. Yeah. You just got to deal with it. You got to bear with us here. You're lucky we're even talking about sports. <laughs> One wrong turn and we're in Vermont and Maine, people. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to the third team holder here in just a minute. Trust me. Uh, Tide Hashira here in the roundtable mailbag. Where do you guys think DeBoer could look for a tight end coach, Tim? You know what I thought? We saw a couple weeks ago, Jay Nunez uh, apparently was leaving Oklahoma as sort of a special teams analyst to go to Alabama. Um, he also has some tight end coaching in his background. I'm not saying he's the guy, or but it, it's just to underscore the, the different avenues in which Kalen DeBoer might be looking for a subsequent replacement for Nick Sheridan, assuming Sheridan is moving into that OC role with quarterbacks. I think Kalen DeBoer's searches for the most part are going to be pretty similar to Nick Saban, where it's, it could come out of left field. Pete Golding from UTSA, Robert Bala. I mean, this, this isn't like he just did it every now and then. He had guys coming from all over the place. I think Kalen DeBoer could do that. And again, this is a guy that's been at, you know, Fresno, Indiana. He's been at Washington. He's got coaching connections across the country. Um, is he rep by Jimmy Sexton? I think he is, right? Yeah, he would have to be. Who isn't? Yeah. I would think. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's a good question. So I think that there'll be some guys 
Sexton um, uh, manages that could get looks, at least interviews. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, right now it's been extremely quiet. I think it's just the time of season getting back. And I, I just don't think he's in a rush, honestly. I think he wants to get it right. Bro Namath here in the mailbag. Top five high school basketball players Tim Watts has ever seen in person. Wow. Five. That's a lot. Man, I don't know. I mean, if you're talking national, Kevin Durant. Saw Kevin Durant several times. Just a bananas type player. I want to guess um, you saw him in Augusta, Georgia a time or two. I did. I also saw him, I tell you, in New Orleans at the uh, 16 and under nationals. Vegas. Unbelievable event. Jared, Kevin Durant, you knew was going to, you know, I mean, you knew what he was pretty early on. I saw Chris Paul twice, I think, his last year. You knew what he was going to be. Some of these guys were already capable of being on an NBA bench, if not uh, impacting the game. Derrick Rose, that was a great, that was a great story because we went clear across Houston. It used to be a tournament called the Kingwood Classic, and we drove way out of the way because we had helped an AAU coach in Chicago a great dude with a three-star player the year before. He kept telling me, and I hear this a lot, I got the number one player. I got the five-star. We hear it a lot. They usually don't have them. We drove clear across to a gym, walked in, and the only people there were parents and three referees. And within two or three plays, it was Derrick Rose unranked catching alley-oop passes and dunking. It was one of the highlights of me covering AAU basketball. But – you know, in-state, Gerald Wallace, Ron Steele, they come to mind. Eric Bledsoe is a fantastic player. Um, Dwight Howard, Earl Smith, Rajon Rondo. I mean, all those guys were just a little little different. You know, Jer- Earl Smith, J.R. Smith is, I mean, he's one of the best athletes I've ever seen. I don't think you can be a better athlete. I think you, I think he's very similar to LeBron. He was a heck of a ball player. He could shoot from 30. He could do all that stuff in today's game. He'd be an all-star every year. I don't think, you know, his focus was entirely on the game, but I was blessed to see a lot of them. I was blessed. The Lopez twins are two of my favorite. <laughs> they, were, uh, they were probably what you would think they are. Very high IQ, good basketball players. But I was blessed to see a lot of basketball players when I was covering AAU. hundred years ago, they would have the AAU Nationals in Jacksonville, Florida, at Florida oh, wow. State. At Florida State College at Jacksonville. And one year, it was – Michigan with Chris Weber, Jawan Howard, Jalen Rose, uh, that made it to the final against Team Indiana. You remember Allen Henderson? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Played at Indiana. He was on the Indiana team. Chris Brand was a guard that played at Tennessee from Indiana. I do. Yeah, those were some yeah. fun times. What's the uh do you have a craziest recruiting story, Tim? I don't know if this is supposed to be basketball, football, or whatever, but bro's asking here. The favorite, the craziest recruiting story. I mean, I've, I've got them. I don't know. They kind of all blend in. I mean, some of the stuff you hear behind the scenes, Brent Calloway certainly stands out. Guy going back and forth with Auburn, a whole lot of drama, you know, with that one. A lot of accusations and stuff like that. I mean, Reuben Foster's probably the – I think Reuben Foster's probably my favorite, you know, from the time <laughs> – you know, I was told he rolled into Tuscaloosa like – 10 or 11 people deep on an unofficial visit. So from that moment, committing to Bama, Auburn, flipping to Auburn, Auburn tattoo, going to Auburn for his last, the last weekend official visit. And again, I was watching Eric Anders, minding my business, MMA up in Mountain Brook. And uh, I get a text with a screenshot 
Ruben was with Alvin Camaro uh, eating lunch in the Alabama mess hall. I don't know if you call it mess hall. They're not the military. I don't know what you cafeteria, whatever you want to call it. And he was there and I was like, what the hell? He just went to Auburn last night. Obviously the, you know, he had an issue with one of the Auburn scholarship players. So Ruben's probably the, probably the craziest, I think, just to follow is like, you could probably write a book on Ruben from, you know, freshman year to, you know, his career in the NFL. He's still playing, right? <laughs> he still played in some small league. I saw he got drafted. So Yeah, uh, he, he is. I think it was a UFL now. You know, we're going to unite He's the XFL and the USFL. Yeah, he was a heck. I mean, he was just that guy that just did, you know, just an unbelievably – you talking about old school. Old school people loved him. He just would – I mean, he would just absolutely kill you. But his career – I mean, we've had several, but Rubens is probably the most visible – that was the most entertaining. Always enjoy story time with Uncle Tim here on the program. Roll underscore Tide wants to know, any chance Alabama steals Joe Cox back from Ole Miss for tight ends coach? Uh, typically, it, it, it's it's not something you see a lot of um, because these guys have, in most cases, right, they have sit-downs with the incoming head coach and – you know, that, that opportunity, it, it either seems to happen at that point or it doesn't. Maybe this could be an exception. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I think they, I think he'll have the guys. I mean, I think, you know, if you want to keep somebody or not, right. There's no real, real connections. Also Joe Cox is already on staff and recruiting for Ole Miss. So um, I would not, I would not think, I mean, it's coaching. We have to say anything's possible, but I would not think that would happen. Bammy Bama bullies here in the roundtable mailbag. He wants to know top five high school football players we've seen. He has Ryan Williams at the top of his list. He is a South Alabama and Florida panhandle guy. Bama bullies is so he He has them. Ryan Williams, Julio Jones, DJ Fluker, CJ Mosley, Trent Richardson as his top five from his region. That's pretty stout. Tim, what about you? Me? Um, I saw D'Amico Ryan's in high school. I mean, he's who you thought he was going to be at the end. It's funny he had no offers, but I, I do think in this day and age of the huddle film, I do think that he would have had plenty of scholarship offers in hindsight. Just one of those guys that slipped through. When I was young, I went and saw David Palmer with one of my brothers. He, uh, I don't even know. I mean, I don't know if I've created this myth in my head, but I know he scored four touchdowns, and I believe it was in four different ways. Um, I wasn't in football like I was now, but I could see was it. Uh, I could see how much talent he was and the excitement that he brought in the crowd. Um, Andre Smith, the most dominant player I've ever seen on a football field, uh, went out there and saw him and just absolutely just crushed everybody. Just a, you know, dancing bear, the original dancing bear for me. Um, Jalen Mbakwe, he he's definitely one that's up there. Julio Jones in the seven-on-seven setting was amazing. So was Jamarcus Russell. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's it. The best, you know, I think the best, one of my best stories is D. Milner. So I get a that I hear nobody's talking about D. So I hear there's a kid at Stanhope Elmore. I go down there for a Thursday night game, and he's excited. You know, I'm trying to blend in on the sidelines and in the stands. He's so excited. He's trying to talk to me in the game, you know, and I'm like, no, you're going to get me screamed at by your coach. Just go on. And he had a he picked off a pass, returned a punter, a kickoff, tackled everything, had an offensive pass, touchdown, wide receiver. 
So I'm getting ready to leave, and I had everything I needed. I was going to talk to him after the game the next day, not stay for that. And he said, hey, how'd I do? Why are you leaving early? And I'm like, because you did all you needed to do. <laughs> like, you get, you got me home an hour. You did so much in three. I've never. He's one of the best athletes and football players I've ever seen. And he was great at Alabama. We forget, you know, he goes to the NFL and has those injuries. But Dean Miller was a monster. He, was, he really he was. Hell I'm a Florida player. guy, obviously. I a bunch. So I saw Emmett Smith as a sophomore mm-hmm. at Escambia that's High amazing. School. And that's, that's how amazing. old I am, by the way. Did Girl. I just age myself? That was in that's the mid-80s. Yeah. I was like 83, 84. You saw Emmett in third grade when Travis was I a did. junior in high school. I did. And uh, he was pretty special as a sophomore at Escambia High School in Pensacola. I saw Dante Culpepper oh, when wow. he was, I believe, at Ocala Forest High School. He was in Ocala. Uh, saw him. He was pretty damn amazing for a high school quarterback. I'd have Anquan Bolden up there too. Played at Pahokee High School down in South Florida. Saw a lot of guys from Broward and Dade, but yeah. I got one more. I got one more too. Robert Pollard. I know people get tired of me talking about Robert. He has since passed Uh, and and really didn't become a huge college star like he should have. Or an NFL star even, but he was 6'2", about 210 as a ninth or 10th grader at the Bowl School in Jacksonville. The best football player to ever play at the Bowl School. And we can go down a list of some guys. Oh, yeah. Was Robert Pollard. Don't get it twisted. Don't let anybody try to change your thinking on that. Robert was, he was a real deal. Go ahead. Um, Carnell Williams. He's one. Yeah, Cadillac. I mean, I want to mention. I don't want to mention just all Bama guys. I thought Carnell in a season opener. I think it's his senior year. He had a cramp in his left leg, and you could hear the scream from it. And he went back in the game. He had a cramp in his right leg. Season opener. It's that time of year where it's warm in the day and getting cool at night. Had a cramp in his right leg. You can hear him scream. He goes back in the game fourth quarter, and this cat caught double cramps in both legs. And it sounded like a horror movie. He screamed so loud that like people were like covering their mouth and, but he kept playing offense, defense. He could have been an all NFL safety. I'm convinced, but he's probably the best Auburn player that I ever saw. Bama bullies also asking with Kalen DeBoer seeming to like taller receivers, any chance we see Odom used at wide receiver a good bit this year? That's true freshman Caleb Odom. And Tim, we've talked about Caleb in the past. That's kind of how he was used in some ways on the high school level and probably as much as anything early on in his career at Alabama. It might be a surprise if you don't see him flexed out a good bit. Yeah, I think you can line him up anywhere, right? You know, I think you can line him up anywhere as far as an offensive pass play goes. I mean, he's a He's a big guy. He's got a good catch radius. I don't think he's a 4-4 guy, which would be the only knock, but they hardly ever are. But I think he's got good speed. He's got good hands. Um, you get him in there, let him, you know, learn the system, learn the routes. But, yeah, I'd agree that's a possibility. Crown and Soda here in the mailbag. With the Tide only having four tackles going into the spring, which of the nine interior O-linemen do you think are most likely to kick out to tackle? Guards who could get a look at tackle, Tim. You think about some of these guys like Tyler Booker, even Jaden Roberts. He's uh, my choice. Jaden's my guys, guys that could kick out at tackle. I think Olasa Lenin is a young player that maybe this new staff says, you know what, let's 
let's at least take a look at him at tackle. Yeah, well, I think you have two different things here. You have a Washington staff that like lighter, more athletic offensive linemen. You had a former Alabama staff that liked them bigger, stronger, like the NFL. Not a, you know, they lost some athleticism with that. So I think one of the things that held back the young guys was the fact that they were lighter. They weren't quite big enough, but hey, they might be right where, you know, that's the thing is like, just because you're looking for something don't mean you don't have it on your campus. You had two pretty good tackles. You had the best, you know, one of the best freshman offensive linemen in the country, and you had a guy that's going to go in the first round of the draft, boxing them out. But if I had to pick a guy to to kick out, I I, I would not bet on Jaden Roberts on anything. If they moved him to defensive end or defensive tackle, I'd bet on him. I just think, you know, as we saw, like you said, you described it perfectly, dude's just always looking for work. He wants that challenge, you know what I mean? And he's the guy, he's a, what's he started, five, six, seven games? I don't even know how many total. Booker's been entrenched there for a while. You know, he's probably like, you know, I got this. I really don't want to move. But, I mean, Roberts might excel, and he's got that body, that long length, long arms. He might be the guy. But they could like some of those freshmen on campus. You know, they might have guys. And, you know, you've got the Texas A&M transfer that nobody knows about. Like, we don't have a clue. Nicole, uh, we know he's a, big, he's a big guy. His senior film was certainly good enough. He had a weird, you know, academic issues and then, you know, uh, reclassified, enrolled in Texas A&M. So they could have their guy on campus. But regardless, if they've got two tackles they're comfortable with, they're still going to want some depth at depth at that position on the offensive line. So they'll still be in the portal, in my opinion. Ghost of Bryant here in the mailbag. Record-wise, what would a successful first season for Kalen DeBoer look like? Is making the playoff a fair year one goal i think tim with a 12 team playoff it is more than fair to, yeah. to think that his first team could make the cfp assuming and you have to think that's a possibility that teams with two losses make the 12 team playoff i can't imagine there's 12 one team losses but i mean you got to look at the schedule and you got to you got to think you know bama's got four games i think you could circle they that they're going to be super competitive Possibly five if you count at Wisconsin. You got Georgia, who's going to be the preseason number one team in the country, one or two. Uh, you're at Tennessee. That's a mess. You know, you know Knoxville, Nayland does a great job there. Uh, at LSU, at Oklahoma. So you got three tough road games. You got Georgia at home. Uh, I think the worst case, I think the win, I mean, nine wins, I think I feel pretty good about with this team right now. Um, uh, but I do, I do think ten wins is 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 pretty realistic. I do think you have to accept that you're probably going to have trouble going undefeated. And I think Georgia and Texas are looking at this same exact scenario, right? Georgia and yeah. Texas both can't go undefeated because they play each other, you know. So they this schedule, you're going to be looking at a loss. And luckily, the loss, the two losses with the twelve teams, doesn't mean what it used to mean. You know, two losses in the past and you were gone. So I think I think the playoffs is a realistic possibility and a goal as we speak now. In April, we might feel Bama's even a lot for it, feel like more comfortable with that, or we might feel it's a harder obstacle ahead of them. So yeah, I think if 10 and 2 is what it takes essentially to get you into the 12 team college football playoff, looking at the schedule, looking at this roster, I think that's that's a very fair expectation uh, in year one under Kalen. DeBoer. Let's get back into the mailbag. Uh, CEH for Bama wants to know how good can this Alabama softball team be? 
Uh, we'll also get to the second part of this one here with him as well. Well, based on the opening weekend, I'd say pretty darn good. Now, what's interesting to me is that you're going to see Alabama and Florida once again square off in SEC play. But neither of those teams in the preseason anyway ranked in the top 10. I mean, they are the cornerstone programs for the Southeastern Conference on the softball diamond. But Kayla Beaver comes in, does what you need her to do as a transfer pitcher in the wake of Montana Fouts moving on, at least in that opening weekend. And offensively, there was some impressive stuff. But I thought defensively, that may have been most encouraging to come from that trip to Atlanta with that 5-0 and start. Five games, I think it was just one error committed because with Beaver, she did strike out, I want to say 21 batters uh, or yeah. And, 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 or had 14 strikeouts, had a lot of strikeouts, but she's going to be more of a pitch to contact pitcher for Alabama than Montana Fouts, who could have a game where she struck out 12, 15. Uh, so you're going to have to play some good defense behind this staff now. And uh, Alabama initially at least showed some of that. Also CEH, for Bama wants to know, Tim, what's the difference in titles for Freddie and Robert Gillespie in terms of that associate versus assistant titles that we talked about e earlier for both of these guys, respectively? My understanding, anyway, is that the associate tag is about as high as you can get before the head coach title, whereas oh, assistant might okay. be a step below associate. You, well, I had a I actually had an educated friend who thought that, like, if something happened to Caitlin DeBoer, Freddie Roach was the next coach. And I don't know if that's true, like the vice and, and vice president and the president, yeah. but I thought the analogy had me really laughing um, that that would happen. I don't know the difference. I'm going to dig into that. I've never really thought about it. I think that's that it, though. I think it is. It's, it's higher on the executive chain for coaches, the associate tag. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's good. I mean, we, we know it's a, you know, it gets you a little bit more of a bump. It's a little bit about respect too. I mean, shoot, we deal with that in our business, you know? Yeah. We have a lot of guys discuss. I've never been a title guy. I just, I've never cared. Um, but I understand why some people do, you know, you know, there's a difference between staff writer, senior staff writer, recruiting analyst, senior recruiting analyst. It's kind of a respect thing. So in college football, it, you know, it's def, it's, I think it's absolutely similar. Plus it comes with more money. I'm going to find out what the responsibilities difference are, though. Yeah, money is usually what key. it's about. You'll see, like, a coach that's coming back for another year go from just a position tag to assistant head coach or co-offensive coordinator. Usually what that indicates, Tim, is that there was some interest yeah. in that guy Holman in the offseason. And yeah, to, keep him, yeah. to keep him, the title had to go up, and with that, the money. Yeah. And I think you, I think in corporate, I think in corporate America, you got to add the title to justify the extra money, right? You do. I remember Holman Wigan was associate or assistant head coach which, out of the blue, which one year. told me that that previous offseason, someone or multiple schools had come calling and, and Nick wanted to keep him because we've okay. seen Nick let guys move on too. Oh, situations. we've seen him encourage him. We've seen him help him find <laughs> people get other jobs. Nick had his own temp agency at times. It felt like yeah. he was a, he was as good as Jimmy Sexton when he wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, he he could be. There's no doubt about that. More from the mailbag. Uh, but Paul here in the mailbag, he says, "Thank you all for doing this." Oh, thank you for oh, tuning in, no problem, like man. Paul. 
Uh, these are always my favorite episodes of the podcast. There you go, Tim. Got a fan there. But yeah, one fan. Uh, he wants to know, do you think Alabama enters fall camp with both Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson still on the roster? That's after spring practice and maybe even a summer of workouts. Uh, I, I think, Tim, if one isn't on the roster, it won't take until fall camp to to probably figure that out. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, you can't hold me to this. Let me be clear. But I think they will both be here in August. You know, I think Ty Simpson stayed because he felt he can compete. He's getting a fresh start with the new offense. He might very well do some things. Now, look, he could have hit the portal. Someone talked him into staying, right? You don't talk people into staying that you want to leave. So that had to that had to affect have an effect on it. Also, the one thing we've said numerous times about Ty Simpson, he's picky. He's not just going anywhere. Or, you know, he's just not going to slide over to a school he's not comfortable with. No situation is easy. And I think again for Ty Simpson and uh for anybody who wasn't a starter, this is a whole new chance to impress your and it's the same for Jalen. He's got to impress these guys that he can make the throws and do the things because this is a passing offense. You know, Jalen's a good runner. Ty is not given nearly enough credit. He's a good runner. Jalen's a next level runner, but Ty's a very good runner. So I think they'll both be here in August. I think this is going to be a quarterback battle. I don't know battle. It's going to be a quarterback, you know, competition, competition, but with Jalen definitely having the upper hand to start with, it's got a lot of experience too. You know, yeah, Jalen's I mean, best is as good as anybody's best, basically. And and he he has the trust of that roster for the most part, you would think. You know, um, there's a dynamic you take into account, especially with the quarterback position. That being said, you're still going to have to perform and you're still going to have to show that you can fit into what these core principles of this Kalen DeBoer offense demand of you and and get the job done. Uh, but Paul also, he gives us a gun to our heads. Here comes oh. a gun to your head. So be ready. As of right now, would you pick Alabama to win two of three against Georgia, Tennessee and Oklahoma? Still so much time and things to sort out Tim. but would you feel okay about picking Alabama to win two of those three? I wouldn't feel great right now. Oh. Uh, I wouldn't feel great. I mean, Georgia, again, number one team in the country, uh, have been kicked around by saving quite a bit. They're going to come in motivated. Of course, Alabama is going to be just as motivated. Bryant Denny is fantastic. I hope that's a night game because it'll be off the charts if it is. Um, so obviously I'm giving Alabama a chance there, but a very tough game at Neyland is I think Alabama can win that game. They've proven for years they've won that game. In fact, the, the one time they didn't win it, it took every single thing in the world to allow Tennessee to drag those posts down to that river, you know, and pollute it. <laughs> but um, so I give them a chance, but I would say, you know, 60% chance they win two out of three. I'd say, you know, 85% chance they'll win one. And I'd say 25% chance they win all three. That's right now. Again, yeah. I don't know the secondary and you don't know the tackles, but uh, I do think this is extreme. And I'm a little bit on the air, air on the side of caution with you guys. Cause you know, I mean, I've had commitment stories written when I predicted them and put in a 90% prediction just because I don't want y'all to kill me if the the unexpected happens. I think Alabama wins two of the three. I think Alabama beats Oklahoma. 
in Norman, and then I feel pretty comfortable predicting at least a split of Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee right now has our attention primarily because of Nico, right? Jumping yeah, in there right, as a yeah. quarterback. What else do what else do we really know about Tennessee for next season other than Nico? And that's a big one because that dude looks like he could be a monster behind center. Yeah. Yeah, Nico's going to be a good football player. I mean, Tennessee's NIL invested so much. They're under investigation for him, which is – He better be. That's still one of the dumbest – I don't understand. You're about to get a postseason ban. You can't You can't go ban – I mean, I don't know how you investigate somebody for finding your loophole. You know, know. you know what I mean? That's a yeah. mess. But obviously a talented guy can throw it, can run it, You know, got a huge skill set. I don't think Tennessee's recruited great under Josh Heupel, though. No. I think I, they've been solid. Where are the dudes? Where are the dudes at? Three years yeah, into I this. think they've been solid, but I think they focused. I mean, they got the transfer tackle heard from LSU. He's a good yeah. player. They got him. Missed out on Jordan Seaton. I mean, they've got talent, but you kind of expected because you heard so much about their NIL, right? And they went, yeah. but it was really with Nico, they went the heaviest. And um, yeah, so not as talented as some of the other teams in the SEC, but still a good coaching staff, just Heupel. You know, I've heard people compare him and, and Kalen DeBoer as far as understanding how to run an offense. So, and Nealon's crazy. You know what I mean? Nealon's a wild, you yeah. know, wild, you know, wild atmosphere. Good fans, passionate fan base. Yeah, in terms of roster, though, give me Alabama's over Tennessee yeah, and Oklahoma's yeah. by a lot right now. Yeah. yeah. Now and Georgia, we, we we know that what the deal yeah. is. Georgia's going to have us. Georgia's going to have a strong A to Z roster. Yeah, and they're going to have a quarterback that apparently will drive over for the game in a new Lamborghini in Carson Beck. Big I mean, baller. Anybody that shouldn't own a Lamborghini, I'd say it's me and Carson Beck. <laughs> Tex like, Tider here in the mailbag, Tim. He needs he needs a hug, it sounds like. Uh, he wants good. to know, why does 2023 still hurt? He's still hurting our boy, Tex Tider, from that end of the 2023 season. I get it, man. That was a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, everything about it, you know, I mean, losing the way you lost and then losing Nick Saban, you know what I mean? But um, I don't Come know. Come on, Tex Titer. I think it's turned the page, Tom. I don't know yeah. how. Honestly, I don't – I'll tell you this. If you look at the roundtable, the BOL message board, the discussion – and I get there's some, you know, the the, the regular animosity. I mean, I'm sorry, the anxious – the anxiety – the people being anxious, the people being positive, the people being negative, and the trolls who really need a hug themselves. But I see the discussion, but usually this time of year, there's not this discussion. There's excitement. That's why there's so much discussion going on. Um, I think it, you know, I think you look for a fresh start and this is it. You know, you knew it was coming. I feel like if there's anything positive, I feel like you're as you're in better shape now than I thought you'd be after Nick Saban retired. I, I can say that with a billion percent certainty. I thought this would be a different – I thought we'd be in a different spot right now. I'm you know not worried about Ryan Grubb leaving. It yeah. doesn't matter one bit to me that Ryan Grubb left because I felt it was always a short-term relationship. He was going to be up for any – I mean, obviously he's well-respected. He was going to be up for coaching jobs consistently – and also for him to choose to stay at home in the NFL, it's not even like, you know, it's like having a long-distance relationship breakup. You know, he didn't, like, choose another college. He stayed in Seattle, you know, with the NFL, which we all know is an easier job. So I, that's what I would take from it. 
Also, you got a pretty good basketball team, a hell of a coach. You got a baseball team on the rise. Softball team, Travis is telling us, is really good. There's a lot going on right there. Well, 2023, from a football perspective, it still hurts because that team won your heart, right? Yeah. You wanted them to win. They, they got down early, had the adversity, and then just week to week won an extra piece of your heart, text tighter as the season moved along. And then to look at it in retrospect and know that was Nick Saban's last team, well, there's going to be some residual hangover, but it's time to – pity party's over, text tighter. Time to, time to get that dauber up. All right. As Tim said, a lot of good things to look forward to. Nah, here in the round table mailbag wants to know over under. I don't know if there's an over under when you're asking for just an outright prediction, but uh, <laughs> over under, we see Tom Allen, the former Indiana head coach, who, of course, Kalen DeBoer worked for in Bloomington and some of the other assistants as well. Uh, Tom Allen joins the staff in the next couple of years. My understanding is at Penn State right now, right? Working for James Franklin on the defensive side. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that relationship is. I know he was, a, he did a, I tell you what, Indiana who's never had a run in my lifetime in football was at its best when Tom Allen was there. Right. I mean, they had, you know, the strength program and I know people go back to the, uh, we go back to the, the night blue and I was dead in the middle of it, how the reaction was and the, you know, Oh my God. You know, again, I, we had people absolutely losing their mind about Baloo and staff coming in as the strength coach because they didn't know. This goes back to the same thing. You know, I think that an average fan, if he doesn't know screens, it sucks. You know what, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, that run they had, Kalen DeBoer, look at some of the assistants they had, Tom Allen, a hell of a coach. Um, yeah, he's at Penn State now. I think he's the defensive coordinator, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know he's working with the linebackers. We've seen recruits mention him. Um but I think it's possible. But I mean, right now you got the swarm, you know, Kane Womack still yeah. been practicing his name, Womack. I'm going I'm to get that one right all year. He's got some people out there that'll correct you on that pretty quick. Yeah. I'm not listening so, to they I need some of those people. I mean, you ever heard people try to pronounce my last name? You ever been called Rear for most of your 55 years on this planet? You know, it's not Rearer. Man, I got the. Look, man, you sling in three vowels and two consonants. You're asking for interpretation. Yeah, I need some of those people that'll quickly correct. I'm folks. not one. I'm still calling him, calling Michael Penix, Michael Phoenix. Yeah, out. you know. I'm like, that's not spelled right. That's not on me. You figure you, this you out. Go there, and I cringe just for a second. I tighten up. Then you pull well, it out of there. You always say it. I've got a lot of options with P-E-N-I-X. I could do a lot of. You, you, you've, you've saved it to this point. Beep. You've saved it. You had to buzz for me every now and then. Can't say that Dark, too. Dark Star crashes here in the mailbag. Toughest opponent on Alabama's schedule next season. That one should be pretty easy, I would think. And uh, yeah. he wants a 12-team playoff field. Uh, just an early, early list. Uh, who do you got toughest opponent for Alabama in 2024, Tim? Yeah, I've got Georgia with Tennessee yeah. being sneaky as well. Ooh, I mean, Tennessee up there. Yeah, I just think Tennessee, the Bama, I mean, that's always been a rivalry game. Saban made it not. But other, up until Saban, it was a big deal to go to Neyland, you know. Other than yeah. that, I feel pretty good about their schedule. There wouldn't be anybody really, you know, I don't know enough about Oklahoma. I don't think the talent's there. I don't think the same home field advantage is there that you've got in Knoxville. But Georgia, obviously, is the easy one. I mean, number one team in the country. 
Kirby Smart, you know, everything that's that's uh, that program's done. You know, obviously his connections to Alabama. Gabe Lewis here in the roundtable mailbag. What are your where are you at on the three bucket strategy? I personally think the after tax bucket is a little overblown. Your thoughts? Um, that's a financial sort of uh, outlook or plan, Tim. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. I am not, which I understand that it entails like immediate, intermediate, and long term financial planning. Uh, I'm not the person to ask on any three of those. I can assure me. you, I'm Gabe Lewis probably didn't know that answer. No, Gabe Lewis, no. The, you Lewis. Got the I will tell show. you this, though. Gabe. I believe in the Tim Bucket method, which is I slide my money into different – I have several. I have. I don't know. We have a dozen, eight, ten to a dozen bank accounts, and I slide every check's money into what we need. Braces for kids. When I had kids, I put $10, $15 in. I had four kids. I knew somebody's going to need braces, right? Knew they were going to need cars. So I just slide it in there. I'm assuming that's the bucket. I just put it in the bucket. Eight to 10 bank accounts? What are you running a cartel or something? Well, we got four kids. Based out of Medellin? Hey, dude, we got to travel. We got a Tim. Tim might have to move and leave everybody behind account. We got the, the, I got, I got bailouts on bailouts. But yeah, we do the savings. Bailouts. Yeah, we do that. You know, we do the tax account. You know, we got, I've got everything divided. It's, it's, it's at least 10 of them. So that's my buckets. Boo AU here in the roundtable mailbag. What is the best hire that Kalen DeBoer has made to this point and why? Who do you like of his hires maybe most right now? I don't know. I'll say the most interesting is Kane Womack. I like it. I like it. I I, I want to see. I don't know if it's the best. I still think Shepard, uh, Jamarcus Shepard, is going to be a next-level wide receiver coach. Uh, I watched a lot of YouTube videos and talked to a lot of people. A very quiet guy, but, man, he knows he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. Um, I think he might be the best overall, but I think Womack is, is the most interesting. Uh, a complete, you know, because we saw the, you know, the Saban defense for so many years. Even before that, we saw the basic SEC defenses, and now we got the swarm. You know what I mean? We got cool names, we got Stinger, and we got all those names out there. And I'm curious to see. I mean, you know, I think this is going to be exciting. Alabama fans want to attack, and players want to attack. They don't want to sit back and be patient. So I think he's the biggest one right now, probably to see what the defense can. There's a lot of pressure. You know, everybody can say. You know, Kalen DeBoer's got, you know, big ones to take over for Saban. But, I mean, Kane Womack, you know, he's coming in and with a completely different system. Alabama was a defensive team, had some of the best defensive teams in college football history and certainly the most talent that we've seen in in one era. Uh, So he's taking over. So he's certainly got some confidence in what he can do as well. Yeah, in terms of guys that weren't bringovers from Washington, I like that combination of Mo Linguist and Colin Hitchler in the secondary, those two yeah. guys working together. I think that could prove to been, uh, if it in fact plays out that way, if, if they are sort of a co situation back there in the secondary, I like both those, yeah. uh, myself, especially when you are breaking in so much newness on the back end of this Alabama defense, uh, roll tide Y N W a, uh, three questions, non-sports edition things happen in threes. 
first Saban, then Rick and Bubba. What happened to Rick and Bubba? Did I miss something? Please tell me. They retired. Did they? Please so. tell me T. Watts and T.R. don't have an announcement coming, do they? No, I think we're we're good for today, right, Tim? Yeah, our only announcement is, hey, do us a favor, like and subscribe. Ah. Reach down and click that button. We are not going anywhere. Nobody wants us but each other. The only one that wants me <laughs> is Travis. The only one, and this includes the wife and kids. The only one that wants Travis is me. But click down and like and subscribe for the BOL channel. We're not going anywhere. I'm not sure we'd know what to do. We're definitely not like Nick Saban. We can't walk on the beach and play golf all day like he is apparently going to do, and I didn't expect it. I'm aging out pretty quickly at this point, but, yeah, I mean, this is this is as much fun as I'm going to have. So uh, his second question, what is JoJo's daily Red Bull regimen? Joseph Hastings, of course, dude hits the ground running, Tim, at 100 miles per hour. I like JoJo's energy myself, but. Yeah, he's a high energy guy. He's got youth on his side. He's got that Joe Joseph can be like that. You ever went through the mall parking lot and there was a chihuahua in a car and you walk by and that chihuahua just comes at the glass like it's going to it just got so much energy. That's Joseph when I wake up. Joseph is getting after it. He's a he's a young guy, he's enthusiastic. He like, you know, he likes to chit-chat. He does all the good things. Um he does all the good things work-wise, but yeah, his energy level. I mean, he says dumb stuff like makes me want to never talk to him again. He's like, sorry, I was riding my bike. <laughs> like he's riding his bike around, you know, just riding around. Like, why are you riding around? That's how you get ran over. But he definitely has youth on his side. Uh, funny, you know, really good kid. He's funny. You know, we have a lot of fun with Joseph. Love some JoJo. I don't. Th- I think he's. I think he's got youth, not Red Bull. Red Bull's more. Yeah, I don't Andrew. think that's. I think yeah, I think no. Andrew Bones starts with the Red Bull. Him yeah, and I don't, Clint. I think Joseph's just going with straight youth. I don't think it's supplement induced in any way. With no Jojo. PEDs for Joseph. He's just he's just running. Um, the third one here have uh, have visited forty eight contiguous states with the family, still saving up for Alaska and Hawaii. What is the favorite vacation you guys have been on, Tim? Your favorite vacation. I mean, it's going to, you know, people kind of make fun of me, but I mean, we've been on, you know, been to Europe, we've been to Hawaii. I've never had, and they all are great. They're all A plus five-star trips, but I've never had more fun than I do on the coast of Maine. I've did the trip twice. Travis did a version of it. Fly into Boston, grab a rental car, go up the coast. You know, there's, you know, there's the thing about it is you can stop in the same area on the way up come back, stop in the same area again, but be in a different town with a different vibe. You've got the woods, you got, you know, you've got the beach, you know, you got the bushes compound up there, which I didn't even know. I found out Kennebunk because everybody kept saying, are you going to yeah, get W's autograph? I didn't know he lived there. I had like 10 people saying, you're going to get W's autograph or if you meet W, take a picture. And I finally was like, what are y'all talking about? And they had this big house up there. We went and saw, but they had everything. And then you feel, you know, we cap it off in Boston with the game at, at Fenway and, you know, in the summer, July head home. That's that to me. I love them all, but that's just an easy trip to drive and chill. You know, you're in Europe, you're, you know, I'm, you know, we're getting up and getting after it every day, which is great. But Maine's Maine's perfect for me. Yeah. We did that one in October with the leaves too and everything. And the weather was still, 
really good. Uh, like you said, go into Boston, make the drive up into maybe Vermont, cut over New Hampshire, Connecticut, into Maine, all yeah. of that. It's the just, food. Uh, yeah. The thing about it, it is you get – Unbelievable. I mean, you, it's not nearly as crowded. If you went to California, you'd have a similar trip. You could go to the woods, which were fantastic, I've seen, and the beach and all all that, but you're facing a lot more traffic. You don't hit that kind of traffic in Maine, even on the, the coast mm-hmm. stuff, the food, the lobster rolls, anything, lobster, anything. Yep. Anything. I mean, it's like, seriously, like it's even the drinks, the main root drinks they have are unbelievable and it's easy and it's simple. I mean, you can yep. get off in the rural area area. Just drive. So, yeah. Yep. I could do that trip. We did it two years in a row. We got so many places we want to go, but I could, we might do it again this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bubba Mediocrates, uh, here in the roundtable mailbag. Will Ohio State become this year's version of Texas AM, buying an entire recruiting slash portal class? If so, do you think all the hired guns up there can bring a natty to Columbus? Well, I think that's obviously the uh, the the command that is being placed on Ryan day after losing three straight to Michigan, bring in chip Kelly as the offensive coordinator. First you had Bill O'Brien. Then he moves on to Boston college as the head coach. You backfill with chip Kelly chips are pushed in to the middle of the table for the Buckeyes. Aren't they Tim? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think the similar situations are even remotely similar. Honestly. I mean, when Texas A&M, a lot of the guys that they signed, uh, we knew they had red flags off the football field. And even we knew a lot of them were just straight up NIL issues early on. Like they were heavy NIL bargaining chips. There were some some things to watch with. I mean, Ryan Day and them are getting good players. Caleb Downs is a great person. Seth McLaughlin is a great person. Julian Say and none of those guys have issues. So they're getting the right. Now the, the running back from Ole Miss, he's a guy that could rock the locker room a little bit. with Quinn his. Sean. Yeah, because yeah, that apparently happened at Ole Miss. So they got a little bit of that, but I think the rule is in the locker room, you want to have the majority of good because they'll affect the bad and make, you know, make, make, they'll make the, what's the bad apple analogy? Basically, All it takes know, is one. Yeah, but I think in this situation, you think to overcome it with the, I have no analogy actually. I just think that you hope that they control the locker room because you have the better kids. But for most of the, the people I'm aware they took of, the guys from Bama, they were all good people. I mean, Julian saying no issues. Caleb Downs, you know, great guy, hard worker. Seth McLaughlin, same thing. So they got the talented guys. Texas A&M had some red flags. And if you've looked at it after the fact, I mean, Evan Stewart, you know, we, you know, we told him early on when Evan Stewart hit the portal, Bama wasn't going to be a factor there. And other schools immediately kind of, kind of ducked out on Evan. You've seen Denver Harris. Did I read he's at, UTSA now. Yeah, now he's at uh, UTSA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we had guys. And those were some of the guys that we were, you know, you were kind of worried and hoping they matured out of their situation. I don't see it as the same thing. Now, there's a bullseye. Ryan Day can't miss. He can't. And, and with him, it's win a national championship. I don't think making the championship games enough. I don't think beating Michigan's enough. They have poured in a ton of resources. <laughs> They've really circled the wagons. So a lot of pressure on him, but also an unbelievably talented team coming in. Yeah, I mean, on paper, uh, you're going to see Georgia, Ohio State in the one-two spots, I think, in the preseason pretty much. And then, you know, maybe get into Texas and Alabama and 
uh, some other teams after that. Saban 23, as we wrap up the mailbag here, and as you said earlier, we really appreciate everyone taking the time to contribute. And also, we appreciate you subscribing to our YouTube channel here. If you haven't already, hit that subscription button, turn on those notifications. You'll get all of this video content as it drops right here on the YouTube home for BOL. Saban 23, I'd love to know what it's like on y'all's end rebuilding sources after a long-tenured coach like CNS retires. I know y'all can't say much, but I've always been fascinated by this stuff. Tim, I I think it's 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 always changing. Even if the head coach is somewhere for 15, 20 years, because of staff movement, whether it's support staff, on the field staff, um, whatever, you, you, that that's just sort of, uh, again, uh, an evolving process, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Alabama lose, what, three coaches a year? I mean, I wonder what the average is. It had to be close to three, right? Every year, Bama lost close to Two and a half to three, yeah. yeah every would, year on an guess. average. So, I mean, for me, it's just, you know, it helps being old. You know, I'm pretty good with people. You know, pretty good at my job. Have a wide network. Work with a great group of guys that on three off. I know y'all make fun of half of them the, on the other team sites, but we've got a strong, strong network of, of co-workers that we work with, you know, so – it's the same thing. You just get used to it. It's been 25 years, you know, providing value and all that good stuff. Well, Tim, I think we've about covered it here on the we latest covered edition it all. of T-Watts yeah. and TR. Again, appreciate everyone taking part in the roundtable mailbag. Anything else, Tim, before we get out of here? I mean, we got Tiger Woods playing golf in a little bit. All right. So. Yeah, he plays today. Yeah, opening round. It's his tournament. He's the host. The – uh See, that's Genesis me. Invitational that's me. out in LA. I'll do anything at my house or in my yard. That's what I'm Tiger Woods. But if I got to go to your place, I got to travel. I don't want to do it. But yeah, I'll hold my Invitational. We well, he actually to. lives in South Florida and the tournament's in LA, but he, his his travel's well, a little bit different than ours. He's not as smart as Tim Watts. He's not yeah. as smart if he did that. Yeah. Well, there's there's Tiger Woods and then there's Tiger Watts. That's I mean, what I'm we saying. All that. Give me 18 yeah. holes in the backyard and they can come here. He oh, also hosts an event. It's a silly season event, they call it, down in the Bahamas. So he gets that right. You know, yeah. I know he's excited. I Minneapolis. Or I mean, Cleveland. I don't know all the particulars with, with that, but I was surprised. I just figured Tiger was a Nike guy for life, just like Jordan. Jordan's not out. You don't well, see Jordan. Jordan's mom, Jordan. Tiger's Tiger. And I'm surprised given Tiger's dad and, you know, his stature. Uh, they must not have negotiated a deal like. Mrs. Jordan did because I'm just saying like know, Michael Jordan is still Mike's like, his, mom. His, she got that whole thing set up. Yeah, that's a good what's that movie called? It's got Matt Damon and them is it in, in it? the air, something like that. Something like that. That's a really good movie for good people movie. looking. Yeah, good. Yeah. That was a that was a good that was an excellent movie. Did you did you by the way? Because now I'm thinking Ben Affleck. Yes, I did. Damon. That's amazing. Did yeah. you review the commercials as you I did? I saw several said, of them. There's okay. several of them, like the the one where they're throwing the ball in the back through the donut. That yeah. was a good one. Ben Affleck can't throw it. Matt Damon can. I saw the one with J-Lo. That was pretty yeah, – it's good stuff. I think right. my wife, she's right. dying laughing. They did a good – I read those – they sold those jumpsuits, and they sold out in a few hours. So I'm they sure made they, they made some money. I mean, I just want to know what grown-ass person's walking around in people, life wearing that Duncan. People love NASCAR gear, man. 
all kinds of people. And that's what that is. Is that what that is? Make, well, that's what it looks like to me. It yeah, looks like fair. it looks like NASCAR. I'm just saying, if I go to Target later today and somebody comes rolling through the toilet paper aisle, I'm going to have some thoughts in my mind about that person. Yeah. Unless it's been Aflac in the Target commercial, but I just like, you know, if it's a kid, I'll get it. But, you know, then again, I'm not a Jersey guy. We need to do a podcast. Tim goes to Target. Just on that, we could do that. I think. I have some thoughts I'd like to share. I'm not sure. Tim's Target thoughts and get them to sponsor it. We'll get them to sponsor the show. I'm not sure in this day and age I can say everything I wanted to because I'm going to be pretty honest about some people's attire. Of course, they're oh. probably saying the same thing when I roll through in cargos, Nikes, and the hoodie. Well, you know, that's your good. look. That's the, that's the look for you. All right, Tim. A lot of fun. Enjoyed it See as you usual. next week. Yep. And you need to hang out with us on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Tim, Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings, Charlie Potter, Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein, myself. All right there for you at BamaOnline.com. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanks again for joining us. Until next time, so long, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.